Blurred up, blurred up. Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. You can find us on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. You can find us on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. We are also on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. And check us out on Blurred.com. Really cool site full of great content. They're running a really cool sale on this anime collection of really cool anime characters with the Blurred logo kind of blurred, blurtifying them like... Luffy and Huey Freeman, Naruto, you have Yoruichi from Bleach, really cool stuff. And of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mel. Say what's up. Hello, how you doing? What's up? We're good. So today, we're going to talk about the latest episode of Watchmen. Mm -hmm. Before that, we're going to talk about Billy D. Williams has been in the news for for an interesting reason. Right. And if we have a little time, we're going to talk about Saul Williams having a little beef with Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So let's get into Billy D. Williams. So, of course, everyone knows he is Mr. Colt 45 himself. Mm-hmm. In my view, probably the second coolest black fictional character in movies. Second? In, in sci-fi. I'll say in sci-fi. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lando Calrissian. Okay. So why is he second? Who's first? Morpheus. Fair enough. Okay. But you know, uh, Lando Calrissian flew so that Morpheus could enter the Matrix. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They definitely have a debt. Well, Morpheus owes a debt to Lando. I'll say that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Lando is, is iconic, but Billy D is also iconic in and of himself. I mean, he's such a symbol of smooth black masculinity right. over time. I mean, he was in Mahogany. He was in a lot of really good movies and kind of was very much a sex symbol. He did the Colt 45 ads. But where is he now? Well, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Draper, who actually isn't with us anymore. Uh, he moved out of Korea doing bigger and better things. We wish him. I wish we could have given him a proper send off, but our schedules never mashed up but mm-hmm. miss you anyway he sent us a story in the group chat about billy d williams mr colt 45 himself mm-hmm. revealed himself to be gender fluid right and that story blew up it really did there were memes of billy d standing in front of all kinds of flags and like people were saying this is amazing how we're so free now the elders can speak their truth uh, but did you see the update on this story i have yeah and, you know, before we get there, mm-hmm. I I saw an article on Essence magazine, mm. and the boomers were not happy. Ugh, the first rule of the internet is never read the comments, except for our comments. Leave us comments, but, you know. I actually like to read comments on, on some things. Anyway, they were not happy about that reveal. The general consensus was he was just trying to stay relevant. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, That's harsh. So a man who was about to be in one of the biggest franchise movies of all time, needs to reveal how he feels about his gender to promote himself in a movie that will make a billion dollars in a weekend anyway. That's such a strange thing to say. Yeah, like he needs to stay relevant because I don't, I don't think he's ever really stopped being relevant. I don't know. I mean, he's not a sex symbol anymore, but he definitely left his mark on the culture. Sure. I mean, he's not hot anymore yeah but of course as you said mark on the culture yeah, and yes. what does hot even mean anymore i mean like there's so much media out there that everything is so diffuse like if you ask 10 people who's hot they're all going to give you different um answers i mean there's not really household names don't really function the same way they used to anymore. i mean just talked about that's what i mean that's okay. what i'm talking okay. about yeah so i mean household names don't function the same way anymore so it's not I don't know. Relevance is a tricky thing, I think, with the Internet and this the sheer amount of media that's presented and how many people only watch things that are old or only watch things that are new or only watch things from a certain provider, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I, it's such a strange criticism to me. Yeah. I mean, like most boomer criticisms. So. Oh, I guess. Anyway, let's get to that update because mm-hmm. all isn't what it seems. In an interview with the undefeated mm-hmm. Billy D. Williams Ags. <clears throat> well, first of all, I asked last night, what the hell is gender fluid? <laughs> That's a whole new term. What I was talking about was about men getting in touch with the softest side of themselves. 
is a phrase that was coined by Carl G. Jung, who was a psychiatrist, who was a contemporary of Sigmund Freud. And they had a splitting of the ways because they had different ideas about the, what do you call it, consciousness, unconscious. It's collective unconsciousness. But he coined a phrase that's anima, animus, and anima means that is the female counterpart of the male self. And the animus is the male counterpart of the female. So that's what I was referring to. I was talking about men getting in touch with the female side of themselves. I wasn't talking about sex. I wasn't talking about being gay or straight. People should read Jung. I mean, it would be an interesting education for a lot of people. Which is reasonable. I think what happened with this story is whoever the journalist was who originally interviewed him took something he said and ran with it and reinterpreted it through a lens. That journalist is trying to become relevant, but Billy D didn't, I really do believe he didn't say it. And I think it just goes to show kind of how the gap in community, how big the gap in communication can be generally, generationally. And how eager people are to try and uh, assign things that they understand to other people's experiences, like how much we're trying to look at each other through our through our own lenses. I don't necessarily know that Billy D is not gender. If Billy D was 22 now, he very well might consider himself gender fluid because that would be the terminology. But with what he but that's not the way he talks about it. And assigning that seems a little bit dishonest, in my opinion. Are you saying that someone in the media took a quote out of context and created misinformation? Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. That never happens, does it? Wow. Wow. Crazy times we're living in. I know. Like, it's almost like we have to be careful what we read and consume because not all of it has our best interests as consumers at heart. Huh. Go fig. Yeah. Anyway, shout out to Billy D. Looking forward to Star Wars, if only because you're in it, sir. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so that's Billy D. But he's not the only thing in the news this week, is he? What else is going on? Well, we got our boy Jay-Z, who's mm-hmm. been in the news for a, a couple months. Yeah, yeah. First with the NFL deal. Yeah. There's been controversy about his relationship with Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. And now he has well, I don't think he really has beef with Saul. He doesn't. Uh, well, two different people have kind of come out and exposed uh, situations that they've had with him. It seems like Jay-Z's just on a lot of people's hit list lately. Mm. So first, the British uh, British artist Stormzy, who's, I guess, a rapper, a, a grime artist, came out and said that he turned down a collaboration with, Jay- with Jay-Z. So there's a song that Ed Sheeran does on his latest album. I haven't actually heard it yet, uh, with Jay-Z. And it was originally supposed to be Jay-Z and Stormzy on the track. But apparently, it, the song is called London. Ed originally approached Stormzy. And said, be on this track with me because Stormzy is from London. Mm-hmm. And then later on said, oh, but Jay-Z is going to be on it too. And Stormzy was like, well, that really changes the the feeling of the track. I mean, if it was just me doing a London track, that's different. But I don't think I can do this with Jay-Z. And he said he had a meeting and was like, okay, so I know you're Jay-Z. And I honestly really hope we can collaborate someday. I mean, the general tone was really nice. Mm-hmm. But this track is not the one for us to do together. And I personally give Stormzy all the props for that. Absolutely. There was no animosity in it, but the fact that he was able to turn down Jay-Z of all people because he wanted to maintain artistic integrity says a lot about Jay-Z, actually, and how people perceive him now. The idea that Jay-Z being on a track lessens the artistic integrity of it rather than increases it. Mm. Right? Jay-Z is a pop artist now. Not that he wasn't always, in a way, but... Jay-Z, it's, that's kind of the perception that you get from Stormzy saying, because Stormzy's very much got an underground, he came from an underground following, and he's still, he's kind of very cutting edge in a lot of ways. Um, and he's known for having a certain kind of art integrity to what he does. Even when he, I mean, a couple months ago, he did this weird CCM thing at uh, Glastonbury, and that right. was strange. But beyond that, I mean, he's kind of known for being very sincere, I guess. So for him to turn it down because it just wasn't right for him artistically says a lot about where Jay-Z is. is. Do you think that's true or is it more about it's a song called London and this guy from Brooklyn's rapping on the song? I think that's part of it, definitely. But, I mean, there's other... I think there's other examples of people rapping on a song that maybe wasn't about them 
but it didn't lessen the effect. Hmm. I'm blanking on examples. Yeah, as the minute I said that, I was like, I had an example, and now it is gone. But I, you know, if you can think of examples, dear listeners, please give us examples. I'm sure they're out there. I guess for me, I think it is partially just that Jay Z shouldn't have been on London, and Ed Sheeran. I don't know if he's from London either. I don't think he is. I can't remember. Um, but even so, just the fact that I think had this been ten years ago. And somebody else, and Jay Z had approached anybody else and said, "I'm going to be on this track with you." They still would have jumped at it and been like, "Oh my God, Jay Z! I don't care if the track is called Mars. We're on it. I don't care if it's Beirut. Jay Z's on it with me. I'm going to do it." Where's Ed Sheeran from? He is from. Oh, he is from London. Okay, he's from know. England at least. Well, yeah, but England's a lot bigger than London, sir. <laughs> I just said he's from. He's from I know. England. Okay, Let's but where I'm, yeah. I'm looking. I'm looking. <laughs> okay. He was born in Halifax, yeah, okay, West Yorkshire. Yeah, so he's a northerner at that. Oh my gosh! But he was accepted at the National Youth Theater in London as a teenager. So I guess he's been there for a long time. For a long time. Okay. Plus, yeah. I mean, well, all right, we'll, we'll give him some London credit. I don't really know to be honest, but I guess the point is, ten years ago, you could have had a song called Tokyo, right? And if somebody said Jay-Z is going to be on this track and it was five Tokyo rappers, they would have been like, we're not turning this down. But we're at a point where maybe Storms is cooler than Jay-Z and he can turn it down and not feel like it's going to do anything bad to his career. That's my point. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe we're just in a different model now. I was yeah. you know, listening to Saul Williams' interview with The Breakfast Club, which we'll get into mm-hmm. very soon. The model's changed. Yeah, People can become popular. Mm-hmm. They can record a small song and just put it on the internet by themselves without a, dis- a distributor mm-hmm. and get fame for it. Mm-hmm. You know, SoundCloud rap over this decade, which we'll, we may get into it in later shows, mm-hmm. is a real phenomenon. So right, yeah. you don't need to have, you know, what was Mac Miller's famous line on Faces? He's like, I did it all without a Drake feature. Yeah. I did all without a Jay feature. Yeah. I mean, not, yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. The, yeah. It's changed. He doesn't need Jay-Z to be a hit. He doesn't need Jay-Z to stay a hit. Right. Or to increase his own relevance, which makes sense. Uh, okay. But uh, Stormzy and Jay was very amicable. However, we then get into Jay-Z and Saul Williams, a.k.a. Uh, the, the vegan celibate boyfriend on Girlfriends. That's where everybody knows him from. But yeah. Yeah, so we've talked about hip-hop on the show. Uh, episode 31 mm-hmm. was titled, Is Hip-Hop Still the Genre of Revolution? Mm-hmm. And in that, we talked about where we think and hope hip-hop will go. Mm-hmm. We also talked about status quo rap. We also talked briefly about the dangers of black capitalism. And there are a few folks who embody that more than Jay-Z, mm-hmm. who just had his birthday yesterday. He shares it the same day as my mom, actually. Happy birthday, Hove, and Brendan's mom. That's right. Anyway, <laughs> Saul Williams shared an email that was sent to him from Jay-Z in 2018. It was in response to a 2014 interview that he had mm-hmm. with The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. So we're going to play a couple minutes of that mm-hmm. for context. Okay. You know what I'm saying? As an artist, I feel the same type of responsibility. So it's not activism. It's really just life. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But what do I think is the greatest problem facing our community? I think that, he, I, I mean, I don't know, honestly. There's lots of things, you know. I think that essentially we need to, like, find ways to, like, get beyond the dog-eat-dog thinking that money is power probably is the biggest thing that we could that we're doing wrong right now mm. is worshiping people just because they make a lot of money. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have cats, you know, rappers included, who run, you know, for photo ops with Warren Buffett, you know, while Maya Angelou was alive and never ran for that photo op. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I think our values are twisted. I think that we, you know, post 9-11, once we pointed to another enemy and black people stopped being the so-called enemy in America, I think we graduated to real American. We got a black president and all this stuff. But real American sometimes has to be questioned in the sense of just like, yo, if it's just about rags to riches, if it's just about money, 
you know what I'm saying, then, then, then what the hell are we doing? It's like, you know, like when Jay said, I couldn't help the poor if I was one of them. You know what I'm saying? Thank God Harriet Tubman didn't think that way. Word. You know what I'm mm. saying? Thank God Sojourner Truth didn't think that way. Malcolm X didn't think that way. Martin Luther King didn't think that way. Asada Shakur didn't think that way. You know what I'm saying? That's I'm the same saying, exact thing I told Kanye West when he was exactly. saying you got to be a billionaire to be a revolutionary. No, no not at all. Going. Not at all. Yeah. You need you need to be one with the people to be a revolutionary. You need to speak directly to the people and understand that you don't need money to win. You need a heart. You need a soul. You need to feel connected to the universe in order to win. And that's what winning is. And so we have misconstrued the meaning of winning. You know what I'm saying? And so I think the problem facing all of us. So when you say our community, I'm thinking of the global community. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not only the black community, the white community, anyone. We just need to realize that the ultimate power is not money. You know, that the powers of being will always prevail over the powers that be. Powerful. I love Saul's intensity. He's such an interesting person to see. Have you ever seen him perform? Unfortunately, no. He's so intense. And, like, you'd rarely get that kind of intensity in people just in general. But in performers, it's really something special. Yeah, I'd love to see him. Mm -hmm. I saw him and Lyrics Born actually together, which is was crazy. Oh, Lyrics Born. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. But that was about a million years ago. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. So apparently Saul's interview on The Breakfast Club, the full interview, has been deleted from YouTube. Mm-hmm. There's an upload on SoundCloud by La Bear Dodd, L-A space B-E-A-R space D-O-D. Mm -hmm. It's titled Saul Williams Interview. Mm -hmm. And I the whole thing is really insightful. I listened to it today. And he's right. The civil rights leaders of old wouldn't be caught dead doing these photo ops with problematic people, nor did they dangle their financial achievements over the people who respected them. Mm -hmm. I said it before on the last show, the hustle or the notion of doing it by yourself or whatever is just the black equivalent of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, a conservative talking point. So let me read Hove's email. Right. Our fight for economic freedom is new. It's not the same war that Harriet Tubman was fighting. If I use the same weapons as them, I would be shooting a musket at people with fully automatic assault rifles. Although I think it's a must, we challenge each other. We should be careful that it doesn't come off as judgment. Yeah, I mean, I get what he's saying, but I, you know, I've always, I always go back to that brilliant quote by Audre Lorde, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. And I think that it's great. And when Jack Zilla was here and we were talking about uh, status quo rap and Jay-Z's kind of community responsibility, he made the very good point that entrepreneurship is very much a trend within the black community right now. Sure. And everybody's kind of jumping on the idea of entrepreneurship, but they're jumping on it because they want money. Because money has been has been linked irrevocably to freedom. I'm not saying that's not true. And excellence. And excellence. Very much so. Yeah, like Saul just said. But And I'm not saying that there is not truth in that to a certain extent. But personally, I feel like if that's all you're looking for, I, I, fe I fear that we are becoming a people who know the price of everything but the value of nothing. And I think that Saul makes a very good point about that. There is more to freedom than just being able to buy things. And I have to be honest, I am team Saul on this one. And this is I'm, this is coming from somebody who's done a lot as far as entrepreneurship goes, who's done a lot as far as trying to create community for entrepreneurs. And uh, just a, I'm really a big supporter of black businesses and black entrepreneurship here where we live. But. I think that we need to shoot for the moon, not the stars. I think that just shooting for money is going to give us a lot of... Basically, we're going to become our own oppressors again. And totally. I'm really not into that. So, I don't know. I think there's something to be said for developing past just, oh, we need money. Because that's how we got here. <laughs> so, that's my feeling on it anyway. No, I totally agree mm -hmm. with you. But also... Sorry. Also, on the other side of that... Uh, it is kind of shady for Saul to just be sharing people's private emails that, you know, emails that were sent to him privately. Like, look, what that's kind of like sharing screenshots of somebody's private text, you know. I mean, I get his point, but he could have said all that without putting pulling Jay-Z into it. Speaking of trying to remain relevant. Because doesn't this just seem really out of the blue? I suppose. Mm -hmm. But artists, who knows, they... Mm -hmm. 
Because the original email was sent in, what, 20... Last year. Last year? Wasn't it before that? So from what I understand, his interview was 2014. Yeah. But the email was shared last year. That's what I Ah, read. okay. But still, a year ago. I mean, like, yeah, what I would agree. I look like if I was like, you know what that dude said to me a year ago? Let me share these tweets on, on the blurred up it page. Is, it is weird. Yeah. It is weird. Mm-hmm. But I think, and I don't want to, you know, I know we had to talk about this before about mm-hmm. getting, getting too, too serious, but... Mm. I think we are coming to a point where I think as black people especially mm-hmm. have to start reckoning with not all representation matters or is important or is as valuable. I think the Jay-Z succeeding model would have been really amazing 10 years ago mm-hmm. I mean he's been rich for a long time so I mean he's always been looked up to and that model was was relevant at that time right just like you know Barack Obama winning in 08 it was great like you know I had friends who were crying my mom was crying you know it was a big deal for us but obviously you have you know Kamala Harris just dropped out yeah of the race Cory mm-hmm. Booker is polling super low yeah and he'll probably drop out very soon, too. Right. Mm-hmm. But these people have policies that are similar to his rhetoric in that time. Mm-hmm. And they have similar donors, too. Mm-hmm. If they ran in 2008, would they have been very successful? Maybe. Probably. Right. Mm-hmm. But does that model work now? Right. And that's an interesting, I think, parallel. The other thing, though, about this is just that... Um, I think what Saul was particularly getting into also is just Jay-Z's lyrics, because it's not so much that Jay-Z is rich himself or that he's got a he's developing a model that uh, is focused on building wealth. It's also that he is he's actively said in his lyrics that he can't help poor people. Right. And I don't know if he's trying or not. I don't know that it's even relevant here. It's well, it's relevant, but even important as far as the discussion. But to speak about gaining wealth only for oneself in your lyrics is a bit socially irresponsible, I think. It's basically selling selfishness. Which, again, there are plenty of people who believe that that is the way way forward, and it was for people other than us, but we don't have to be that same thing. Again, it's that conservative bootstraps talking point. Yeah, it is. It can be. Mm -hmm. You know, I got it. I'm a flex. F you haters, Mm -hmm. F you poor people. It's in a lot of our lyrics. Yeah, it is. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. know, we talk about how this system, this capitalist system is is oppressive and how we have, you know, Jay-Z who, you know, is worth, what, over half a, half a billion dollars, mm-hmm. you know, just giving crumbs out to various people, you know, hey, I bought a thousand dinners for homeless people on Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. you know, and that's it. You know, like, it's good. Yeah. But sure. Does he pay his taxes, though? I mean, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so many things we can we can get into. Yeah. So, but we'll right. I mean, we'll 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 keep this short. But it's just interesting to that this is all coming out when we did that show earlier this year, right. specifically about Jay Z status quo rap and what does it mean that Jay Z that Jay Z <laughs> Jay Z is wealthy and actively advocates gathering wealth for yourself and leaving everybody behind in the dust. I mean, that is is that how we function as a community? Is that how we function as a culture? Is that what we should be doing? Plenty of people say yes, but I personally feel like we can do better. And to be fair. I'm not sure what lyric he's referring to. I should have looked that up. Mm-hmm. But that interview was in 2014. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z's most recent album was in 2017. Yeah, he's evolved, of course. Sure, but even that evolution mm-hmm. is still a black capitalist mm-hmm. way of thinking. It's not very sure. revolutionary. And sure. so depending on, on your politics, it's really not for you. It was a lyric from the Black Album, but I don't know what okay. song. I honestly have never been a huge Jay-Z fan, so I kind of only know the broadest idea of what he does. So, I yeah. like Jay-Z, mm-hmm. and I really liked four 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 mm-hmm. but i don't really dissect mm. his lyrics like that yeah because yeah exactly all right but now on to what the, i guess the cultural diametric opposite of this particular discussion that we're having yes. we get on to watchmen because on the one hand we have black capitalism and moving forward und- wearing the clothes of our oppressors and then <laughs> speaking of which yeah <laughs> Yeah, for those who are new to our show, we do go into full spoilers on this stuff. So yeah. turn it off now if you don't want it spoiled for you. 
because this is a spoiler and a half. Oh my gosh. Most shocking moment of television in 2019. Hmm. I honestly think so. My gosh. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's get counted down. Okay. Three, two, one. I called it. I called it and I knew I called it. I didn't realize I'd called it, but I did because I mentioned the blue hand last week, didn't I? Yes. Okay, so I called it. Moving on. Okay. I just wanted to get that out of the way because I'm excited because I'm actually calling the show and I never never do that. I always have the total wrong idea of where it's going and I'm kind (laughs) of right this time. Yeah. um, This wasn't as powerful an episode from a cultural perspective as last week. However, it was still a very strong episode that pushed the story, answered some questions while causing us, of course, to ponder more as the series does. So I just want to break down bit by bit, mm-hmm. things that were interesting to me. So, number one, mm-hmm. now we know whether Judd's wife was in on her husband's white supremacy or not. I love how casual they were with that because there's kind of this trope still in our cultural mind. Oh, white women are just as oppressed as black people. It is all one fight. White women are never complicit in white racism. But yeah, they are. There's that great book, They Were Her Property, White Women as Slave Owners in the American South, which recently came out. It was written by Stephanie E. What's her surname? It's written by Stephanie Stephanie Jones Rogers. Where did the E come from? (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Stephanie E. Jones Rogers is her name. Uh, And she wrote this book that literally goes into the complicity and the active role that white women took in the black American, the transatlantic chattel slave trade. Uh, I haven't read it yet, but I've heard great things about it and the reviews are amazing. Mm -hmm. But... I love how casual they were. They didn't even try to make it like, oh, this is so unexpected. Of course she was in on it. The end. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's definitely one of the 53% who Mm -hmm. would vote for Trump. But, you know, as you said, you know, she's she'd be among the quiet, non-assuming, I've got a black friend Mm -hmm. kind of people. Because she totally did. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. This harkens back to the previous episode with Captain Metropolis, Captain Judd, Mm -hmm. using a black person more genuine and heroic than him to legitimize his whole operation. Mm -hmm. For Metropolis, he wanted fame and money while maintaining the status quo. In contrast, Judd wanted to advance his white supremacist agenda in a more conniving and, as revealed by Senator Keene, Mm -hmm. much more ambitious way. And this solidifies the idea of racism being the real villain of the show, especially now that we know what Lady True is up to. Right. Right. Such a bold choice. I'm sure that Alan Moore is somewhere like cursing the name of Damon Lindelof, but I still think it's such a bold choice. So well done. You think? I don't know if he's come out against this show yet, but yeah, I'm very curious what, what he want, what he has to say. I, yeah, I don't think he's going to say anything. I think he's basically washed his hands of anything that comes from him. I don't think he's been involved or interested in being involved in any furthering of his works. He's very much, I did it, it's done do what you want with it, but don't expect me to be happy about it kind mm. of guy. So I don't know if he will if he will make a comment. I'd be interested to hear it too, but that's not his MO generally. And if he does come out and say something, it'll be angry and bitter. So well, we'll see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can you can use black people to raid trailer parks in Nixonville and mm-hmm. hunt grunts and the 7th Cavalry. But as the wife said, that's small potatoes. Mm-hmm. Why go through the trouble of being president and fighting for laws that hurt minorities when you can literally reshape reality in seconds? Exactly. I got to pat myself yeah. on the back, though. I, mm-hmm. I called the senator being behind the terrorist attack. Yeah, you did. Real. You did. I thought he was not, but you were right. Yeah, he has a much bigger role than I thought he did. Yeah. How many times do we have to look at fiction and nonfiction mm-hmm. alike to know how that works? All that... Sweet talk and empty platitudes about caring about people. Behind the scenes, he's trash. Buttigieg. (coughs) (laughs) He totally is the Buttigieg type. Which is even funnier, (coughs) though, because do you know where I... Okay, it took me forever to realize where I knew that actor from. He was Bob from Mad Men. Never watched it. Okay, never mind. Bob was, I think, one of two or three openly gay characters on the show. 
um, well, not openly gay, obvious because there was nobody openly gay necessarily in that time period, Probably but not. obviously gay okay. characters on the show. And he, the way they coded him and the way that his role, he played his role with wonderful subtlety. And I think that actor was in some other show about wild animals or whatever. I watched two episodes and couldn't get into it. But it took a minute for me to realize that he was Weird Bob from Mad Men. And now he's playing racist president or racist presidential wannabe. Yeah. Buttigieg um, on, well, I don't know that Buttigieg is racist, but he's certainly boring. Um, have, you, have you seen his, his track record in South Bend? I believe it. I believe it. I The thing with Buttigieg is that it's, you know, the problem with, I don't want to get into politics at all, but okay. I will simply say that the problem with all of our Democratic candidates right now is that they really, they're like, they're like Lego men where you just kind of switch out the heads and they're all sort of the same thing. Right. Like it, the, most of them, mo- there's a couple clear front runners or a couple clear outliers, but most of them are just real bland. We kind of got mashed potatoes and unseasoned chicken on the menu at the minute. Yeah. And it's depressing. That said, <clears throat> moving on. Can you imagine the powers of Dr. Manhattan in the hands of white supremacists? Again, I just I never even thought about it. I, yeah. I got chills thinking about it, watching mm-hmm. it. The The irony of. U.S. citizens of all colors celebrating Manhattan's decimation of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. But now we're faced with a very real possibility of that power decimating us. Mm-hmm. Just terrifying. So many parallels to real life. We champion terrorism and invasions abroad, even supporting well-spoken liberal politicians with nice families mm-hmm. who make it seem justified. But heaven forbid any of that comes to our borders and people. Just the thought of a racist with superhero powers is is terrifying, um, like you said. And what's interesting also about that is just um, – so the interesting thing about superheroes and the supervillains is they tend to stay away from this sort of social issue. They tend to stay away from racism largely. Even when you look at Black Panther, even though there was an issue where the Black Panther fought the Klan, for example – um, that he didn't have any overtly "I am a racist and I hate you, I hate your people" kind of uh, supervillains, so they've largely stayed away from race, even well, though Claw, mm-hmm. Claw was a pretty big deal. Yeah, but that was Claw's issue wasn't necessarily racism; it was just thievery and greed in the comics, anyway. I mean, okay. like Claw was never like you, you, <laughs> like he wasn't like spouting racial slurs and whatnot. Okay. He wasn't like let me eradicate black people. He just didn't. He just wanted to steal the, the vibranium or mm-hmm. whatever. Point being, though. There was the Black Bomber in Black Lightning. Right. But I'm not too familiar with that character. There were, I mean, there were definitely characters that encompassed that, but it's interesting to see this happening. It's funny because originally we were going to review Knives Out, right? Mm-hmm. And I did actually see that this afternoon. Um, and How it's, was it? it? Brilliant. Okay. Partially because the one of the biggest jerks in the film is played by Captain America, Chris Evans. And the whole time watching him play this extreme jerk, like this absolute dirtbag of a person. I thought it was a brilliant choice simply because Chris Evans, in all of his career, he's never played an awful white person. You know, the kind of like racist, sexist, un, you know, kind of like everybody's nightmare idea mm-hmm. of like, you know, when everybody says old white guys, they're talking about that white guy. Mm-hmm. All right. He plays that in this film. And it was oh. just really interesting to see Captain America playing that because that's what he's best known for playing that kind of role. And here we have this idea being explored in a much more literal way in Watchmen. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Good on him for having range. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's a very smart career move. I mean, if there's any way to, to, to pull yourself out of the Marvel Universe, if there's any way to pull yourself out of the Marvel Universe Association completely, it is to play a role completely unlike the role that you've been known for for the past decade, really. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he does it. But it's just interesting to see that and then to see a much more literal interpretation of that in a show. Yeah. On on the note of invaders, something that I find fascinating is that we continue to see how Will Reeves and Angela's lives are so connected. Will's parents were killed in front of him by an invading force in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Similarly, Angela's parents were killed in front of her, also blown up, but they represented the invaders mm-hmm. in Vietnam. The victims become the invaders. Very much so. 
There was also an interesting commentary, very brief, but there, about the brutality of post-colonial states. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. And then you have, of course, uh, a black person signing up for military or police being used by forces that are nefarious mm-hmm. for their own agenda. Right. Yeah. Just amazing writing. But, I, I mean, think. also just co-opting that agenda. I don't necessarily, well, there's a lot of layers there. Yeah, sure. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Number two, we finally have the answer to who is this child that Lady True is raising? Now, we didn't talk about it. We forgot to talk about it on the show last week. Mm-hmm. But I think we both assumed it was a clone. Yeah, but we thought it was, I thought it was a clone, clone of, of Lady her, True, sure. but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's a clone of her mother. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the show probably won't explore her much further, but I don't understand the end game mm-hmm. of Lady True with her mother clone. Will she ever tell her? Is she going to age her quickly, like right when she mm-hmm. saves the world? Or... Yeah. I got the impression that she already knew that the little girl, well, the mother, that's so strange to talk about, the little girl who was actually the mother, I got the impression she already kind of knew because she's receiving those memories. So I think she knows. No, she just said that she has dreams. Yeah. Like she doesn't know what the IV drip is. She just thinks it's for her own good. She doesn't know that those are the pills. She just she Well, but she, when she was talking to Angela, she clearly knows what happened to Angela. And she's a very smart person. So You mean in regard gr- in regards yeah. to the accident? What do you mean? No, in regards to her taking the, the, the what is it called? The the pills. The pills, the memory pills, and having that whole thing happen. I think, because she, wasn't it the, the little girl who explained that she was hooked into her grandfather, or thought she was hooked into her grandfather? I, I kind of got the impression that she already kind of knew. But the girl still talked as if, I had these weird dreams of mm-hmm. this. Like, she is it's as if she, mm-hmm. she doesn't know that's, that's her, though. She, right, but didn't she, she, she say talking who... like the third person? Well, I don't know, maybe I don't know, but I kind of—I guess I got a different impression from that scene. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think she ever made that connection. Angela did mm-hmm. when she talked to Lady True, and mm-hmm. Lady True was so caught off guard. Remember mm-hmm. that scene? Like, oh, what? What are you? Mm-hmm. What are you? What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't think she would have expected her to talk about it, but I don't know. I mean, I got a diff- very different read of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Speaking of strange, now we know where Sister Knight comes from as well. Mm-hmm. That's her motivation to be a police officer. Right. Mm-hmm. And while Reeves saw a fictional character that looked like him get justice on screen, Angela witnessed justice with her own eyes and ears that was directly related to her trauma. Mm -hmm. And Officer Jin didn't look like her entirely, but she was a woman Mm -hmm. who was encouraging and sympathetic to her. And combine that with the Sister Knight, you have quite an origin story. Yeah, definitely with the Sister Knight movie. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The show slowly pulls back the curtain. Yeah. Doesn't it? That was a much... That's her... Her origin story was crafted really differently than I thought it would be. Yeah. But also very sensitively. Yeah. Again, I like I really have a thing I really love when you see black female characters who are more nuanced than the usual tropes. Because I mean, we've gone beyond Mammy and Sapphire, but there's still sort of a very clear expectation of how black women should be on film. And I, I like that it didn't really go in those stereotypical directions. Yeah. In in so many ways, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's get to the craziness of mm-hmm. where Dr. Manhattan is. Yeah, that is, I don't know. I Just thinking about it, my mind blows a little bit back. My goodness. Yeah, we, we praise the show for being progressive and having Angela, a black woman, be kind of the matriarch in the family. But wow, this unassuming snack of a man is in fact <laughs> directly connected to Dr. Manhattan. Yes. And it was such a disturbing scene how she just hit her innocent husband yeah because he's so confused and he's so he's been so loving and so sweet this whole time and she just walks up and like cracks his skull and then she just keeps hitting him Mm -hmm. and and the sound effects here were really effective and the blood and it was like when she hit it didn't really it sounded like metal so i was like is he a robot like i still have questions about who this person is oh you didn't know you didn't figure it out until then What, what, what do you mean i'm sorry okay so like, so when when she, okay, so the last thing that Lady True says to Angela when she's leaving is, you know, it's funny, I told you that Dr. Manhattan is here and you didn't ask me who it is. And at that point I was like, oh my gosh, really? Because before when she was, when she first explained the whole what white supremacists are going to do, they're going to conjure up Dr. Manhattan and kill him, et cetera, whatever. Um, I started thinking, okay, so he can't just like... 
And then she, when she says that he's hidden, he's hiding as somebody else, as looks like one of us. I thought to myself, well, okay, so he's got to be somebody we've met in the show, but who's left, right? Is, is he, he can't be one of the women, because that's one of the things that the show does well. Most of the characters are women, if mm-hmm. you've noticed. If he can't be one of the women, how many men are left? I mean, he's not the grandfather, obviously, because she wouldn't have had the memories. So I was cycling through all of the guys, and then when, when Angela, like, jetted out of the, out of the, the lab or wherever they were, then I was like, oh, I get it. Oh, my gosh, this is going to be crazy. This can't be it. And then, of course, it was. I guess it's me again. I was just so caught up in everything. I was just, I just wanted to see it happen. Yeah, no kidding. But like I said, even just the sound effects going into his brain, it's mm-hmm. like, is she hitting bone? Is she hitting metal? Mm-hmm. I mean, she obviously pulled out that Manhattan-looking Yeah, the item. Manhattan widget. I don't know what that widget, was. Widget, yeah. yeah. Is this is this John merely a clone, a, a kagebushin? Uh, I highly doubt John would dedicate himself entirely to trying to be human again. But then again, Mars is pretty boring. Yeah, who knows, really? Yeah. I mean, there is that thing he did in the comics, and which was famously done in the film, even though the film was not so good, where he makes a dozen of him. So, like, one of him is working in the lab, and the other exactly. one is in bed with Janie or whoever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like I said, he could be on Mars or he could be in a different galaxy for Mm -hmm. all we know. And he could just have clones experiencing things, Mm -hmm. just just like Naruto. Right, exactly. Who knows? I I think, okay, so first of all, wow. So in the very first, my first thoughts, the very first episode when we talked about Watchmen, we talked about how different the character of Mr. Abar, I can't remember his first name now, Cal? Cal. Yeah, Cal. Black Manta. Yeah, yeah, Black Manta. I always think of him as Black Manta. No, I I don't think of him as Black Manta. I think of him as Striking Viper. But even so, he's really done a lot of good nerd TV, hasn't he? Thinking about it. Black Manta, Striking Vipers, The Watchmen, uh, Us. Right. He's been in a lot of really good things in the past couple years here. Past year, really. He's making some good choices. He is. Uh, Hopefully he'll get to star in something soon. Gosh, yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, Anyway. When I when we first saw Cal, we talked about how he was a very different kind of black black male character. Mm-hmm. How we're seeing a lot of black men playing against type, just like we're seeing a lot of black women playing against type now in TV, in movies, etc. And he kind of actually isn't playing against type, is he? I really liked that switch because they really did pull a bait and switch on you because you don't think he's that important at all, and then it turns out, oh my gosh, he's Doctor Manhattan. What? Yeah, it's insane. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see the story behind this because they 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 lead to that in the previews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do they, do they have striking Cal in blue face paint in that in that restaurant? Yeah, I really hope they don't do that because it's obviously paint. I don't know what's going to happen with that. So and that's mm-hmm. the thing. Like you, I'm becoming a little wary of the ending. And yeah. so far, we haven't really added any supernatural elements to the plot. Mm-hmm. So the jury's still out on whether everything's going to pay off. And I think the previews kind of. I mean, I hope they pull it yeah. off, but I'm, well, I'm optimistically yeah. I mean, this is cautious. a hell of a twist, though. So we have two more. There's nine episodes total. We have, what, two more? Two more. Yeah, we have two more episodes. I mean, I, they keep impressing me consistently. Cause mm-hmm. I'm keep, I keep expecting to be let down. Mm-hmm. I was really expecting to be let down in this past episode, and it didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many more twists they've got in them, though. I mean, it's going to places. They're basically taking the most obvious possibility and doing that, but doing it in a cool way. You know, like the things you think that they wouldn't do that because it's stupid, they're doing it, but it's coming out really well. I wish Ryan Johnson, you know what, let me, let's let not go there. <clears throat> oh no, okay. Then of course we have mm-hmm. more antics with Vite at that crazy court. Yeah, I don't clones. know what is going on there at all. I think that was the most confusing scene with him yet, personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, did he have a trial in order to get him banished from the paradise? Like, yeah. is he preparing to come back to Earth? Right. Is Lady True trying to connect this clock to bring right. him back to help right, yeah. fight these white supremacists? Yeah. Who is the gamekeeper? Why are all of his clone servants all of a sudden angry with him when they were totally okay with being burned alive before? But the thing is, you had the prosecutor, a clone, mm-hmm go hard on him but then she's winking at him yeah like, and what? then so like and he's smiling like yeah you know is the, has this happened before is this part of their and he's constant crying. play acting he's crying is he acting is yeah. he just trying to act it's i can't yeah. I, I really can't i yeah it's really starting to get distracting in a bad way like at first it was like oh that's ozymandias what's he up to and now it's like oh god ozymandias what's he up to like yeah. it's just really 
Um, I don't know. It's just, it's such an interesting show. And they're really doing a lot with it. And they're, again, it's the whiplash is intense because they go from like, let's talk about generational trauma to plot twist to, you know, like they're going all over the place with this. Speaking of going away, speaking Mm -hmm. of all that, we forgot all about Detective Tillman, Looking Glass, Mm. and the 7th Cavalry who came to his house. Yeah, because we haven't seen hide or hair of him, but clearly he's still okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, there's there's no fat wasted in the show. Everything is important Mm -hmm. and gets addressed, Mm -hmm. except for the greatest mystery in the show, K.Y. Man, who slipped through the sewer. Yeah, what happened to him? I need, I need that to be. Addressed. I need, yeah, I'd have completely forgot about him because we haven't seen him since. You know, the other thing about that is uh, in the future, there was a, there's been a lot made of, well, what is she now? FBI agent. Blake. Blake, mm-hmm. yeah, because she, she took her dad's name. Um, she spent that whole episode talking on one of those blue phones to Dr. Manhattan, beseeching him for attention. And it turns out that all this time, he's been shacked up with Sister Knight, playing house, literally. Uh, how is that going to change the relationship between these two women? And note that Blake has commented on Cal mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot, lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It this episode, I really wanted to see what they were going to do at the end of our generational trauma episode. Mm-hmm. But now, this is the first time I've wanted to see what they're going to do next because I'm like where is this going to like because of the plot. Right. Like this is the first truly uh intriguing plot twist so far. And what's interesting about it is that it's weird, but it's weird in a way that's very authentic to the original comic. Yeah. Like there were a lot of parts, that whole thing with the elephant that was right. strange, but it was totally, it was very much within the Watchmen universe, you know? Yeah. Also, I hope that they don't stop talking about generational trauma just because we're not in that episode anymore. They kind of eased up on it a lot in this episode, but I think that there are still some threads of that that need to be dealt with. Because the interesting thing about Angela, there's a blog I read, Tom and Lorenzo. It's mostly fashion, but they also review TV. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite cultural comment blogs on the internet. And they made a really good point about the thing with Angela is that you've got this woman who's Literally, she's trapped in a generational curse. She's done everything that her grandfather did, uh, but she didn't know it, that she was doing that. You have this woman who was raised, who, this black woman who was raised largely outside of black culture in Vietnam, mm-hmm. who then reconnects to black culture by coming back to Tulsa and getting her redfordations, reparations. I should stop calling them that. That's what the racists call them. Getting her reparations and then she somehow is still this black woman married to a black man who turns out to be a blue alien or not an alien, a white man who turned into a blue superhero, whatever. I don't know. That's going to be weird, whatever they try to do with that optically. But then they're raising... a man of color. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I'm bum ching, sir. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, God. Okay. Anyway, so Angela, however... Reconnects to black culture and her and her roots as much as she can in Tulsa with no family. And then she's raising these three white kids. So she's like caught right in between these very two non-black spaces, reclaiming her own blackness mm. through. And then there's all the generational trauma that goes through this, that goes along with that. And now she's connecting to her grandfather who's gone AWOL because she was hooked up to an elephant, whatever. I don't know. I hope that they resolve that in some way, just within that character, because it's this is very much her story. She's very much become the centerpiece of the show as a character. Right. And if they're going to go through with it, if they're going to give us that, they need to follow it through and give her some sort of resolution or some sort of continuation with that. I agree. Mm-hmm. Totally. Do you have any ideas or, or suggestions about how to keep that going? No, because I... The thing that I like about this show is I have no idea where it's going. I'm calling it by accident. And I love that. Like, I'm like, well, maybe they'll do this just because I can't think of anything better. Mm-hmm. And then they do it, but they do it in a way I'm not expecting at all. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I'm calling it again. And But I want them to surprise me with how they do it. Do it differently. Don't give us those, don't give us those, the colored museum tropes, please. Well, obviously she's going to run to her, her grandfather before this is all over with. Yeah. So maybe there'll be a divergence. Like, maybe we have a shared... Mm-hmm. History, but now our futures, our present, yeah, are different, and that maybe that'll be hopefully the ending in that yeah, way. Yeah, maybe. maybe, yeah, maybe he really is the elephant. We don't know, but <laughs> okay. What did you guys think 
of this latest episode of The Watchmen. Do you guys have any ideas of where it's going to go? Let us know in the comments. Let us know what you guys think about this Billy D story. Yeah. And, of course, Saul and Jay. Gosh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about this week. Please give us your thoughts. Yeah. Also... Also, guys, we want to try something new in upcoming shows, and we need your help for that. Can you please ask us questions? We realize that we have a couple of very loyal listeners, and y'all don't know us that well. Some of you know us in real life, and that's cool. But some of y'all don't. We have some new people. And even those of us, and even those of you who know us, uh, maybe don't know us so well, or don't know our blurtiness, or, or us in the context of blurred up. So ask us questions in the comments, please. Uh, we might do a a separate thread on our Facebook page for that. Ask us on Twitter. Brendan will give you all of those tags in a second. Ask us questions. We're going to do a Q&A session at some point on an upcoming show, and we need questions to do that. I mean, personally, I'd like to do questions on every show. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be personal questions about us, but maybe there's a story that you want to cover. Mm-hmm. Let us know. Yeah. We are here to speak to you. This sounds very infomercially at this point. We are here for you. Yeah, we people. are here for you. We are we are here to support you. We are all one nation under a groove, getting down just for the funk of it. Mm. And therefore, we need you to tell us what you want to hear. So what, what what can we talk to you? Blurred up listeners, what can we rap to you about? Let us know. And on that note, I'm going to close the show in my Billy D voice. <laughs> what is wrong with us, y'all? We need more sleep. Pray for us. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We are Blurred Up. You can find us on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. We are on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. And we are on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe and send us a review. Help us out. We are also on Spotify as well. Catch us on Blurred.com. Lovely site full of black nerdy content. Goodness. Mel, where can they find you? Uh, I kind of want to do a Diana Ross voice in response to your Billy D voice, but I totally can't. Yeah, exactly. You can find me. You can find me on Equal Opportunity Reader. That's Equal Opportunity Reader, spelled just the way it sounds. I don't do a very good Diana Ross voice. But anyway, I think that sounded more like Pamela Anderson. What's wrong with me? Oh, my gosh. Okay, moving on. Yes, find me at Equal Opportunity Reader. That's my bookstagram. I talk about books, nerdy and not nerdy, but I'm living a thousand different lives with a printed word. Find me there. Also, don't forget to leave us questions on Blurred Up. Please don't ask me to do the, the Diana Ross voice again. Moving on. Peace. <laughs> Peace, y'all. <laughs> you were like Latoya Jackson or something. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>